Forgotten Flicks remembers Blue Steel, 1989. I think you're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. Why would you want to become a cop? I like to slam people's heads up against walls. Jamie Lee Curtis is a cop with a problem. Drop it! On the floor! Put the gun down now! 24 hours on the force and she's already blown some poor slob's face off. No gun found at the scene, officer. Turn her nothing on the victim. The men on the force won't believe her. It was there. I saw it. The man at her side can't help her. I think somebody out there likes you. And the man in her arms is the killer. We have to stop him. Death. It's the greatest kick of all. Steel, a point blank thriller. Hello, and welcome to Forgotten Flicks. I am Joel, and I'm joined this fine, fine evening by the one and the only. The incomparable Peter. Hello. So, and good evening. Yeah, and good evening to you, my friend. And so we're going to do things a little different here. So as you can tell, if you're if you're a longtime listener of Forgotten Flicks, then you, you notice uh, things have changed over the last <laughs> several months. So mm-hmm. I, I am no longer, unfortunately, joined weekly or, and I guess we got into the sort of the bi-weekly thing, uh, by my, my good buddy, Jason. It then shifted over. Peter and I have done a few together. Daryl has joined us for a few. So we're still trying to find our footing in this. However, uh, as, as a little experiment, Peter and I decided we would jump on the horn here. And what we're going to do is do sort of a, uh, I don't say a, tr- a trunk, well, truncated compared to what some of the ones with Daryl have been. <laughs> but it's going to be a shorter episode. I, I don't think it's a bonus episode because it's not really a bonus to anything. It's not an add-on. It is. It will stand on its own. We're going to be talking about Blue Steel. Uh, in, in case you're not familiar, it starred Jamie Lee Curtis, Ron Silver, Clancy Brown. I almost said Tom Clancy. Clancy Brown, <laughs> uh, directed by Catherine Bigelow and written by Catherine Bigelow and Eric Red. And we'll get into a little bit of, of their background in case you aren't familiar with them. And Peter and I have discussed the idea. We both are big fans of thrillers, suspense pictures. I mean, we love horror and stuff, too, but we, we do like these kind of movies. And so far, we've touched on Nomads, and we have done Bestseller, and now we're doing Blue Steel. Now, Peter, you brought Blue Steel to the table, <clears throat> and you had seen That's this what? movie. You had seen this movie before, correct? Uh, yeah, a long time ago. Okay, this is this is interesting. Side note for me, I have not seen this movie before, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to do it because it's always been one I've been interested in because it falls into a subgenre that I know of as the interloper film. Now, that is a phrase, I'm not sure it was exactly coined by film critic critic, uh, John Kenneth Muir, but he wrote a book called Films of the 1990s, and he refers to interlopers uh, and the the idea of the interloper film. And just as a a short list, he mentioned several of them. Uh, A couple that that are on my list, he does not mention, at least not, I haven't read the full uh, text of his book, but in a couple articles I found that he wrote, he didn't mention these. So uh, I'm sure he had his reasons. Maybe he just didn't like them. I don't know. Although one of them, (laughs) if he didn't like, I may have to read 
calibrate how much I want to read his stuff. However, uh, he, of course, the one that everyone always gives credit to as being the one that kind of kicked off this subgenre is Fatal Attraction. I would argue, yes, culturally, it did. However, a movie that preceded it by nine months, a little film you might have heard me mention, I don't know, a thousand times, The Stepfather. Hmm. Precedes I fatal traction. I've heard about that. You've heard about it a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the thing is, Stepfather did not do well in the box office. Okay. It wasn't straight to video, but for all intents and purposes, it might as well have been. And yeah. in case, and that weird, weirdly, and in just in case you're somebody out there who doesn't know what the Stepfather is, and translation, you've never listened to the show. Uh, Jason and I covered it many moons ago. It stars Terry O'Quinn of Lost Fame, and he plays a man who, without this not giving anything away, it's you know, what the movie's about, was looking for the perfect family. And he finds them, marries into them, thus the name of the movie. And when they can't meet his expectations, you know, like no family can because they're human, he does away with them and moves on to another family and so on and so forth. And it is a great, riveting, just tight little thriller. And it sort of, to me, is, is easily in my top three thrillers of all time I, I love this movie so much but he doesn't yeah, mention you, it you mention it you mentioned it one or i literally am looking at the I, well, and i'm i am literally <laughs> looking at the original theatrical movie poster right in front of me hanging from it, the wall yep yep it's in there i've seen it <laughs> so uh, well not 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 in person well but i've seen that, a picture of well, you well i i will you know when we do when we do skype we ought to, we ought to do video so then you can you know can you can see it so uh Gaze upon its glory of course and we are still talking about the poster right well, well, okay. okay. So, Stepfather <laughs> predates Fatal Attraction by a good eight, nine months. However, I will acknowledge Fatal Attraction is certainly the one that set forth the zeitgeist of these types of movies. It was not nominated for Best Picture, which I completely had forgotten about. Um, you know, obviously made a gajillion dollars at the box office, and um, yeah, but it, I would, I would actually argue that Stepfather is slightly better. Oh, it is. No, I think it's a much. <laughs> I think it's a better movie. Yeah. Personally, but that yeah. being said, I, I I I will say it is part of that interloper sub genre. But mm. I will acknowledge Fatal Attraction. You could say is the one that everybody sort of yeah. is, is it, all the all the ones that followed were not following in the Stepfather. I mean, it, it's sort of nah, like nah. Black Christmas predates Halloween, right? Yep. There's a lot of similarities. And in, in in that, not that they're the same movie by any stretch, but just the tone and the feel and the way the certain things are handled. And uh, and I know that a lot of people have argued that technically Carpenter got some of the idea of doing Halloween from this is one of those. I think it's a bit of a myth. I don't know how true it is that supposedly I guess I don't know if he knew Bob Clark or somehow he was connected with it in some vague way. And originally Halloween, the title, it was going to be maybe a sequel to black Christmas. So it would be like, I don't know. It was, I remember reading about it and thinking, eh, that sounds like a bit of a stretch, but that being said, <laughs> most people, even unless they're, you know, true horror fans don't even know what black Christmas is. You ask somebody on the street, they have no idea. It, it's almost yeah. like it was just a little too early sad. to the party. I guess it's the best way to put it. Yeah. It's sad. Just black Christmas is. Uh, oh, I love black Christmas. It like, is, it is, I yeah. love Halloween and I acknowledge it's Ooh, yeah. a classic and I, and I, I love the movie. That being yeah. said for my sort of like the, how the stepfather for me is, I prefer it to Fatal Attraction. I think on some level, I prefer Black Christmas as a movie that I can watch over and over and still feel creeped out by. It's almost like I know yeah. too much about Halloween to be truly creeped out by it at this point. Black Christmas still creeps me out. Yeah. So we also had movies like Pacific Heights, 
Michael Keaton. Ah, uh, yeah. That oh, that's one. a good one. We ought to do that one because I love it. I haven't seen that movie in years and I love it. Uh, and this is honestly one of my favorite subgenres in the thriller pantheon uh, is the is the interloper film. I just, there's something about this somebody coming from the outside forcing their way into these the, the yeah. lives of these. Usually they were upper middle class white yuppie types. And yeah, like uh, oh, what is that with uh, Ray Liotta? Yeah, and, uh, I, it's on my list. <laughs> Which and, interesting. Uh, that's one of the ones that John Kenneth Muir did not list and that's with kurt russell and madeline stowe and you're talking yeah. about unlawful entry i love that movie. unlawful entry that's fine that, i would yeah, love to fine. do that one i mean that i remember seeing that at a drive and there was a triple feature and to this day I, that's the only one one that i remember i think that was i was that came out after hand that rocks the cradle so well, I, that's another good one yeah that's and that's also on my list and i mean you know rebecca de mornay <laughs> we don't say no more nah. single white female it is another one from this genre uh, uh that yeah that's the uh, uh jennifer jason lee right mm-hmm. yeah and bridget fonda and and mr weber yep. from uh, wings yep yep it's a good movie and uh and actually wasn't it was it also directed by adrian lynn like federal traction uh, i'm just sure, I, I don't that, have it in front of me so i don't know so uh, i'm just guessing no, that that seems to be yeah. my my sense memory i'm probably mistaken but that's what i seem mm-hmm. to remember uh the temp that on LaserDisc, actually what do you have single white female on laserdisc yeah, I think oh. so, and and unlawful entry. I'm not sure. I have to check. Yeah, I I, w- I would love to see unlawful entry again. I've not seen that in years. That one and uh, yeah. Pacific Heights and Hand Rocks Crowd. A lot of these I haven't seen in a long time. Oh, that too. Uh, the Temp. Yeah. Uh, do you remember? Do you remember the Temp? I believe that was. Um, oh, why am I completely brain farting on her? Laura, Laura Flynn Boyle, I believe, is who was the uh, interloper in that particular. Yeah I, yeah, I know which. I'm not sure I've seen that one. I might. And the crush, the the crush was the other one that I just off of memory was uh, with Alicia Silverstone and Carrie Elways. Yeah, no, yeah, I know that too. I'm not sure I've seen that one either. Okay, that one I remember seeing in the theater. Yeah. Oh. And being that it was a, I think it was my, I, I'm pretty sure it came out when I was in high school, and it had nothing to do with Alicia Silverstone at all. That was not the motivating <laughs> factor. So. <laughs> no. And uh, John Kenneth Muir actually brought up there's uh, he, one of the articles that, and I'll link to it in the show notes. He had a review and sort of an analysis of these types of films, and he was covering a movie that came out in 2011 called The Resident, which I mm-hmm. believe was uh, Hillary Swank, I think was the star of that one. And oh, I'm brain farting on his name, but the guy who played the dad in Supernatural and he was in uh, the, the Watchmen movie. Uh, he's an actor yeah. that has the three, you know, does a three name thing. And I'm sure some other going, it's blah, blah, blah. And I'm completely brain. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. and so that's a more recent version of that type of subgenre. And then the yeah. guest from 2014 is another one that would fall into this bucket. So anyway, <laughs> that the reason why I bring all these up is because I feel like Blue Steel, to a large degree, falls into this bucket as well. Yeah, because uh, he kind of pushes his way into sure. to her normal life yes and and tries to pick it apart and make her mm-hmm. look like the crazy one and there, there are certain yeah. there's definitely i want to say it's a formula because there's enough differences in, in many of these movies that you can't say well they were just like a slap a slasher film you could say okay well that one's obviously just ripping off this one and i, I feel, feel like with a lot of these there is a for there's a certain loose formula to it and there's certain beats that happen and certain things that are similar thus creating a subgenre. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah but they're not just carbon there's copies. Of, no, there's enough difference to make it a uh, standalone. Yes. Less, yes. Or stand on its own legs. That's that's a better way to put it. Okay, so Blue Steel, though, the reason why I was the most familiar with it is I remember being in high school. 
I had a, a bit of a, uh, a a man crush on Bruce Willis after Die Hard, and I like wanted to see everything the guy was in. And I remember I rented. Do you remember was it Sunset with James Garner? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And where I think he played uh, was it Tom Mix? Because I think they were supposed to be playing like real life cowboy yeah. actors. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's right. And wow, I haven't seen that. Yeah, I, I really, I remember almost nothing about that. Was it? it was that Blake? That was no. Blake Edwards did was Blind Date with Kim Bassinger. Was that Kim Bassinger? Was that Blake Edwards? I think he directed that. Oh, I don't have that in front of me. I haven't and, seen that in a long time. And John Larroquette, that one I would love to do too because I remember really enjoying that. <laughs> yeah. Movie. yeah. Uh, plus, it's got John Larroquette immediate bonus well, points. Well, yeah, yep, definitely. So. But I remember going on this, you know, so anything that came out about Die Hard or it was like right before Die Hard 2 came out. And so I just had this big fixation. I was like, oh, you know, anything with John McClane. So I remember this exactly. magazine came out and there was this place in the Winter Haven Mall in Central Florida. It was Charlie's Newsstand. Yes, kids. There were actual places where they sold things like newspapers and paper based magazines. Crazy. Mm. So yeah, I, I and that's where I would get like my Fangoria's and, you know, stuff like that. Yes. I think even Carrie Gorezone. I think I remember getting some issues of Gorezone from him. And right. and um, he had this, it was like one of those generic movie magazines. You remember those that would come out? Oftentimes they were based on a specific movie. So like Rambo 3 is coming out. They had the movie that was the tie, uh, the magazine that was like a tie-in and had articles about the movie. This magazine was specifically about action movies. And I don't remember, like, I don't think it was like a... It was one of those standalone magazines. It was maybe Starlog put it out, but it wasn't Starlog. It wasn't Fangoria. It was like just action movies of the late 80s or early 90s or whatever it was. And it was mainly, I remember it had a Die Hard article in it, which is why I picked it up. It had like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the first movie, because that came out in 90, right? That was 1990. Yeah. yeah. So for I guess they were covering the last couple years of big action movies up to, so it may have been like 91 or so that I picked this up because it also had blue steel in it so i remember reading about it and was familiar with it but it was just one that once it fell off the radar i had for whatever reason had no desire to see it so you brought it up and as soon as i started digging in a little bit and i realized a it was directed by Catherine bigelow yeah i had forgotten about that i didn't even realize it and then uh, and of <laughs> course for anyone that doesn't know most recently she did zero dark 30 and she won she's actually the first woman to win best director for the hurt locker the Hurt Locker, yeah. And she, this movie she did, Blue Steel, she made between Near Dark, my personal opinion, best vampire movie ever. Sorry. Uh, yes. Yeah, but just, I love that movie so much. So, <laughs> and, and it, you know, it has your friend in it. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Henriksen. <laughs> I call him Mr. You call him Lance. And, yeah. and, and so it had, uh, you know, just a fantastic movie. That was her first, well, she actually made a couple movies prior to that, but sort of her. Yeah, but that's the, the, the kind of break. I break through, I think, yes. I, I don't think it was a particular hit, but I think it became a, such a cult hit that. Yeah. And then after this one, after this one, what did she do? Uh, what after Blue Steel? Yes. Uh, when the when did Point Break? That's Point the Break one. Been that, yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah, that's right. That was in yeah because that, I saw that in a theater in in uh, in Florida. Ninety uh, one. So uh, yeah. And you know what? And on on the same stay, uh, I picked uh, this one up, Blue Steel, on VHS. On the same day. No, not the same day, but at the same the same stay. Oh, the same stay. On yeah. the same day, I saw Point Break. I was like, "Oh, that's cool." Yeah, <laughs> oh, no, be- because this was this uh, Blue Steel wasn't released here in Sweden until '93. 
Oh. Weirdly, weirdly enough. So, uh, was it a sensor thing or was it just because uh, I know yeah, we've had that conversation I, before? Yeah, I don't really know because I, I went to check on a, on, a, on a site here. We can check old movies and how many, if they were cut or banned or something, but uh, there was nothing about Blue Steel. Hmm. So, I don't know why. But it, it wasn't released until 93. So, uh, I had this uh, a good couple of years before it was released here, hmm. which was kind of cool back then. Nowadays, everything is released. Well, you can get a movie. Well, it's still in the theater. You can watch it on Amazon. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, that's yeah. Ninety one. Now, do you, do you remember what your feelings were back then when you saw it? Uh, yeah, I. Uh, it was. It was. Uh, how do you put this? It was a, a cool movie because I don't know. It was. I think a, a lot of the colors. Is, Schemes in this movie was cool, mm-hmm. more or less. But I, 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 remember, I remember liking it, mm-hmm. and uh, it's been a long ass time since I've, since I've seen it. But I remember disliking Mr. Ron Silver, <laughs> well, his character, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, well, it's a kind of a weird, uh, I don't know, a weird ca- character for Jamie Lee Curtis too. The, the mean, I mean, the way she plays it, it it's. Uh, it's kind of different. Yeah, well, it's interesting you say that because there's something specifically that reminded me of it, and we'll get into that. So for these truncated episodes, typically on Forgotten Flicks, we go way, way, way balls deep on these things, and we spoil the mess out of them. There will be mild spoiler, spoilers, but one of, the I told Peter, one of the things I told Peter before we started was I'd like to try and not be spoiler-free necessarily because this is an older movie, and mm. I feel like either A, people have already seen it, or B, it's probably not like top of somebody's list. Like, oh, I've got to see it. Oh, and honestly, most of the stuff in this movie, you, uh, if you've seen any kind of movie in this subgenre, you're probably not going to be like, oh, who saw that coming? No, it's, it's pretty. Uh, There's a predictability to it. Yeah, it's kind of generic. But that being said, for those people out there that are very spoiler sensitive, I'm always very respectful because I am. I'm that way. I mean, I literally <clears throat> have watched the new Star Wars episode t- trailer. Seven trailer a bunch of times, which some people would argue, why do you watch trailers if you're spoiler sensitive? But uh, I, other than that, I have avoided virtually everything else. Like I know what a few characters look like. I kind of know a couple names. I know almost nothing else. And I don't want to until I walk into that dang theater. So uh, mm-hmm. I respect that when people. So just this point on, it's going to get a little spoilery. Um, do you want to do like just a quick, you know, few sentence synopsis or do you want me to do it? No, we can go into it All a little right, bit. Go for it. Uh, so uh, Jamie Lee Curtis plays Megan Turner, who's a rookie cop. It's basically her first day. Uh, and uh, she's up with her new partner and they stop because he has to take a leak. And she goes to get coffee and uh, in, the, in the convenience store uh, across from the coffee shop, she sees a robbery in progress. So she, uh, well, she runs over kind of frantically because she doesn't really know what to do and it, she ends up shooting the the uh, the perp and he loses the gun and she uh, can't explain where it is so it looks like she shot an unarmed man and she gets suspended and that's pro- that's the start of it and then uh, uh, cartridges start turning up with her name on it yeah they've been etched uh, into the casing yeah, yeah uh, but, and, uh, like uh, beside victims who are who have been brutally shot basically so that's that's the start of it 
basically. Yeah. Yes, yes. So so when she kills, and I do want to touch on the fact that, so obviously, it's as you point out, stars Jamie Lee Curtis and Ron yep. Silver. Uh, he mm-hmm. is there when the shooting goes down. Yeah. This was also the screen debut, the robber that she shot. I'm sure you caught who that was. Well, yes, it's Tom Sizemore. Yes. So this was, a, I didn't realize this was his debut. That In my little bit of research that came up, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting that like his you. film debut was uh, him uh, involved in criminal activity. I'm just saying. Uh, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, well. <laughs> I, I, I'm joking. So, <laughs> so yeah, so he, he is shot and sent through a window. I think that's even, I don't remember if that's yeah, in the trailer. Yeah, or, it, it, no, I, I mean, it's not like she just pops him once. She kind oh, of she unloads her gun. Whole, yeah, completely. And it's, 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 it's messy. It is. It is. And, uh, now, the gun drops, and the reason why, as you pointed out, it's missing is because Ron Silver, who was flat on his stomach like everybody else, he was one of the customers at said store. Yeah. He kind of pockets uh, that one. Now, here, here's where I have a couple key questions for you as somebody who's seen it before and then was reviewing it again. What okay. was your response? Like, what... What did you, if you, as best you can remember, what did you think when you saw him reach for the gun and take it? Yeah, the first thought is, what the hell are you doing? Uh huh. And are you kidding me? And uh, I don't know. It's just the look he has. He's kind of, it's you know, that kind of, it's almost a love affair. Oh yeah, they're, they're, the gun more. Yeah, but we will get into that. Well, and I feel like that is something we have to touch on. There, there is a fetishizing. <laughs> uh, you know what? The the first word I put down in my notes. You know what that is? What's that? Gun porn. Gun porn. Oh yeah, because the opening credit sequence and it's a. And that's the it, one thing yeah. I wrote down. One of the best things about this movie, in my opinion, is the cinematography. I mean, it's that late '80s, early '90s. Uh, almost like you remember Tony Scott's pictures, like like Last Boy Scout. Like it's not necessarily a great yeah. movie, but just the no, look of it really, really well. Yeah, and this movie's like that. So yeah. uh, it, it in the opening se- uh, the opening credit sequence is these extremely tight shots, slow tracking shots over different elements of a gun, and it's almost done. I don't say in an erotic way because you know it's a gun, <laughs> but there's a sense of it could be a woman's body or you know it, it's it's the way they do it. Very sexual. Yeah. Is that, which is why I wrote down gun porn. Yeah, I don't think it's accidental <laughs> that we both had the <laughs> no. same reaction. I, I think that was kind of intentional. So, yeah. yeah. But if he, his, his character is kind of, well, he's basically obsessed. And you could kind of, you could kind of see a glint of that uh, in that scene where he kind of takes the gun. Uh, it'll be more prominent later, but uh, it's like it falls just, I mean, a couple of inches uh, in front of his face. And you can see his eyes are just fixated on it. Now, here's the thing. This <clears> is this is the moment where I didn't hate this movie. <laughs> but I found, I, and I tried to find some evidence to back up my point, but I couldn't, you know, I just didn't find anything. And maybe it's because it's one of those movies that did so poorly at the box office and everybody involved is like, yeah, let's just pretend that didn't happen and we'll just move on with our careers. <laughs> but I would love to hear, I, I don't know if there is a DVD commentary for this thing. I haven't looked. I would love to hear Bigelow and or Eric Red, her writing partner, who I do want to mention at some point here, uh, because he also, he wrote, he wrote Near Dark and wrote one of my yeah. other favorite horror movies of the 80s. And he, uh, I just, I would love to hear what they say because I almost feel like after watching this movie, it suffered from edit 
and, and yeah, heavy I, editing. Like, like it seemed like things yeah. were missing, especially when it came to certain character reasons for doing things. That I, yeah, I kept. It feels it feels rushed. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, it does. It feels like like we and I don't want to again because I don't want to go heavy into spoiler, but like the whole thing that happens with her and and another officer much 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 later in the movie, and you know where I'm sure you can use your imagination. Yeah, yeah. It was a little too quick. It's like the movie could have easily benefited for another uh, another 15 minutes or so. And usually you will never hear me say those words where I'll say, oh yeah, no. the movie needed to be longer. But yeah, there seemed like they needed more fleshing out of certain yeah. moments. So for instance, when Ron Silver's character Eugene, when he goes, he and, and just. So, you know, for context, he's like a commodities trader. He's a stockbroker. He doesn't, yeah, yeah. you know, he's a very, very white, we have very proper white collar, three piece suit kind of guy. And obviously, you know, I read a couple articles and one I'll uh, definitely link to in the show notes that was very good. It was written by film critic Nathan Rabin, uh, who uh, used to write for uh, the AV Club, which is connected to The Onion. And he wrote this article for a site called The Dissolve. And essentially, they have these encore columns and in the encore column, they examine and I'm just reading from the site directly here. It says examines a prominent filmmakers breakout project and their first follow up film to see how both projects relate to an emerging career. So he wrote this article called After Near Dark, Catherine Bigelow crystallized her obsessions with Blue Steel. He goes into some of the elements of like, especially like, like that thing with you know Ron Silver. And taking the gun, and pretty much he he pointed out this movie was almost a horror movie, and all they needed was if the gun had glowed, and there had been just a, the yeah. hint of a supernatural aspect that you would because yeah. his character. I guess where I'm going, what I'm saying is that I didn't get what flipped his switch. Now the argument made by him, and I've re- I've heard some other people where I read some things where people made the argument. Oh, and actually one of them was Roger Ebert because <laughs> mm. I, I don't know if you read the review he did in no, this movie. No, he actually no, liked it. He gave it three stars. Oh, okay, and he's so picky especially when it comes to yeah. horror and well i mean, I guess thrillers he tends to be a little bit more open-minded about but horror he's always lambasted or always did lambast but mm. but with this one he gave it a pretty good pass and he it's funny before i read his article i had written something down and it's a movie he somewhat compared it to but he said that for him like the ron silver character was obviously just you know this guy that was just pushed over the edge and blah 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 i, I guess i never yeah, but, saw but, that but why no but what what yeah exactly what what pushed him? Like and, if we had seen him at work so stressed out and just like you know pushed around, bullied around, and he wasn't going to take it anymore, and he gets his gun dropped in front of him, and that and, and in this situation, and, it, and he was quote unquote saved by a woman, because there's definitely this interesting thread throughout this whole movie of sexism and the way she's mistreated yeah. by yeah. everybody, basically. Yeah, because because she's a cop. Uh, yeah, woman cop. Like always, yeah. men are asking, "Why did you become a cop?" Yeah, all of them basically. That's what they want to know. Why you're a beautiful woman? Why the hell do you want to be a cop? I mean, it's very. It's like, well, why not? Damn it! <laughs> you know, at the, at the start with that, the, when she's at her friend's uh, party, and she's introduced to one uh, one of her friends, male friends, who up to the point where she tells him uh, she's a cop, he's very friendly. But all of a sudden, oh, oh, wow! And he just, yeah, well, I have to go. I have a lot of work to do. And I thought you asshole yeah <laughs> basically people well, she's a cop so what well it was but funny very, because he's, he's the one that. that says in the trailer to her well why can i just ask you something you're beautiful yeah. you're good looking i mean you're beautiful why would you yeah, yeah. and then uh raven in his uh, article actually said you know as opposed to coast by on your looks and you know marry an eccentric billionaire why would you want to be a cop <laughs> yeah it's like 
it's very sexist like uh, yeah and that aspect and i think had this not been directed by Catherine bigelow a woman who's known for yeah. doing these kinds of of having having these elements to her stories i i don't think that would have been as interesting but because no. it was her i don't know it, it is that's what this is here's what my here's my theory that there's a much better movie buried in here <laughs> yeah i think so I mean, I, it, every character actually needed about five more minutes. At least. Sure. Yeah. Of At characterization. Because, like, for instance, uh, Louise Fletcher from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Brain... Yeah, Nurse Ratchet. Brain, uh, yeah, Brainstorm. Actually, I covered Brainstorm with Gamma Dev. He came on. I think it was, like, the third episode into into sort of the Forgotten Flicks 2.0 yeah, yeah. era. And, yeah. and so she was in that. She's a fantastic actress, and she plays... Megan, which is Jamie Lee Curtis's character's mom, and she yeah. and there's this this hint of something going on with her parents. Again, don't want to go too deep into that, but yeah. that ultimately all of that was interesting. But yeah, like you said, you never. No, there's it's like there's a, just a couple of minutes more of characterization, sure, and it would have worked better. Yeah, I feel like this somebody it, it, edited this movie that wasn't like part of making. No, it. <laughs> and no, they came he, in he, afterwards. He should have been fired. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I don't know if it was the actual editor that's giving no, credit. No, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no. I, 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 you know, I mean, but you, that happens, right? That because I know this yeah. movie suffered from the fact that uh, it was originally Vestron and they went bankrupt, and MGM picked it up and pushed it out. So yep. in that interim, it's all it does happen. Yeah, when, you, yeah, it might it might have been someone at MGM edit, yeah, re-edited yeah. it or something. You, sure. you never know. Yeah, you don't. But, know. but it, it's like it's there, uh, and even the the ending feels rushed. Yes, it did. It did. It definitely uh, did. Yeah, and and what you said before the the reason for uh, uh, Eugene uh, Ron Silver's character his it's like when he when he's uh, sitting at home uh, working out and all of a sudden it was just, stop talking I was what, what who the hell is talking yeah we we never established that he actually hears voices or whatever it is I wrote down it's almost like the gun is talking to him. Yeah, which, can I be honest with you? That might have been more interesting in the sense yeah. of I, I could, they could have done this whole son of Sam meets you know by way of a yuppie thing, and yeah. and I think the idea that he becomes obsessed with her that was actually even okay. I had probably a bigger confusion issue with the fact that he becomes obsessed with her, which is the driving point of the majority of the movie, yeah. more so than him even taking the gun. Like, had this been a movie where he takes the gun, he's this guy who has spent most of his life letting people walk all over him, and then this happens, and it's just the the tripping point. He just can't take it, and he now is going to you know, own his power, and he's going to go on this killing spree to show that he can handle his... You know, he snaps. Yeah. Yeah, I can exactly. handle all that more so than, but th- his obsession with her, like he barely looks at her in the store. Like he's like on the ground. He kind of looks up like out of the corner of his eye. It's not like he watches her. I mean, he sees it happen, but it's not like they established Boy. well him responding in this like, oh, no, exactly. No, because if they had done that, things would have fallen much better into place yeah. later on. Sure. So it it, it, it it it's it's a good enough movie, but there's yeah yeah it's not a, that's what's weird about it. It's not definitely not a bad movie. Like and, no, I, and again, you no, see like not. the you see like a really potentially good movie buried in there. And if you if you were interested, that's kind of irritating. It is, and actually, in a way that makes yeah. it worse. Like if it's just bad, you can almost have fun with that. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I mean, it's it's you see. Uh, it's a, it's it's not a bad movie, but you see the potential yes. to being a, a really really great thriller. 
And I agree with you. Like, first, it's unlawful entry. What I remember about it, I don't necessarily remember being like a fantastic, classic kind of movie, but I do remember it being making more sense when it came yeah. to why. Like, for instance, in that one, and just in case you've never seen a lawful entry, it's essentially about this husband and wife, Kurt Russell, Madeline Stowe, again, upper middle class, white, yuppie types. Yeah. Their house is broken into. They end up having an alarm system installed, and this officer that had come to the scene starts becoming fixated with his wife. But that's all really gradual and really well established, as I recall. And so it makes sense as it all builds up and builds up and builds up versus this where you're like, okay, they definitely had no problem showing how nuts he was because whenever we're with him by himself, the dude's nuts. Yeah, which is also a shame because Ron Silver pulls this off really well because he's he is so unpleasant and and cold and and. Uh, yeah, it's hard. To, yeah, creepy as hell. He's a he's a clear cut psychopath. Yeah. He is he is so beyond uh, nor- normal psychopaths. It's it's he's psychopath to the nth degree, basically. I think you could make the argument that he hams it up. I mean, there's definitely a level of ch- well, yeah, scenery yeah. chewing. <laughs> Yeah, but it never. I guess I never. I never felt even with that that it was bad acting. Like I didn't feel pulled out of the movie because of that. No. But but it definitely goes really like they really tried to. I mean, uh, yeah, he's nuts. I mean, there. I'm like that's not even a spoiler. Like they make no bones about it. it's no mystery, no build up of no. hmm, is this guy unstable? No, the the guy is nuts. Yeah, and I think the scenes that works uh, best is when he doesn't really show anything. Like when the cops are interrogating him, oh, he's sure. just yeah, he's just he, he he's just he. It, the way he looks at her, it's like you know, and I know, and the, all of sure. the others here basically know, but they can't do shit about it. But see, you know, the only thing I have a problem with that, Peter, is the fact that. When he's by himself, he loses it to yeah. such a degree yeah, that, yeah. that I, I was almost like, okay, so what kind of psycho is he? Is he the it, it, one hand? One hand, it's the implication is he has schizophrenia or some variation mm. of that, and and thus he could be out of control. But he's so controlled, like you're saying, and I think yeah. the controlled type killer, the the and I guess you could, I was going to go down the American Psycho road with Bateman and the fact that mm. you know, do you ever see that movie or read the book? Uh, yeah, I've seen the movie and read the book. Okay, so in that, I mean, he does gradually deteriorate yeah. to the point of being the... Bleh! But at first, he's definitely <laughs> way more calculated and cunning and cold, and it builds to that level. Whereas with this, and, and again, him going nuts is all fine, but here's the problem. Had we seen some of that maybe prior yeah. to the shooting, yep. okay, well, then when he takes the gun, you're like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, because if we have seen him, if if the dog, I mean, the job is, seems very stressful, and if that had, I mean, he, he he's living by himself, he has, well, basically no one, I suppose, but if you had just shown a little bit of that before, I just realized what's wrong with this movie. I just realized what? what's wrong. This is two separate movies. And and they they needed to pick one or the other. For instance, one movie is it's about this rookie cop who's obviously very nervous on her on the job. She's got the stresses of being the only potentially because we don't ever see any more woman cop there. Yeah. Uh, you know, she's she's got all that stuff going on while she does this robbery. It goes, you know, goes sideways. She kills the guy. And even if the guy had a gun on him, her first day on the job, she's going to get put on suspension. I mean, there's going to be consequences yeah. for that, no matter what. And nah, then rather exactly. than him taking the gun, he 
sees her. He falls for her. He sees her as this, he builds her up in his head as this thing that he can, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like you, you, create, you have to create an obsession there and yeah, a reason yeah. for it. But going back to the fetishistic idea of the gun and, and you know, it connects his, he connects it to some mommy issue, whatever, it doesn't really matter. And that's the focal point. The problem is because him taking the gun, which sets everything else in motion, then it becomes about him and his gun obsession. and da, 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 yeah, da. It's, it's almost it's like it's two separate shit. obsessions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, choose one. Yeah, I guess that's what it would have been a tighter movie if they. Yeah, yeah. You, does that make sense? Yeah, if you want to uh, be obsessed with something, choose one thing, or else it's confusing. Yeah, I think it'd be the difference if you know using a, yep. a movie that maybe people are familiar with. If in Fatal Attraction, if rather than seeing her obsession with Dan and his family and the rabbit, if if <laughs> if we had also seen that on the side, she was killing. She was posing as a prostitute and killing Johns, which, by the way, this doesn't happen yeah. in the movie in case you've not seen Fatal Attraction. I'm just making this up. <laughs> and and so yeah. I, I, we had this whole side subplot. Which it's like, why is yeah, that? I think it, yeah, it, yeah, it would have been distracting. So it's the same at this one, because even where they kind of get, uh, well, half intimate uh, and, and she she has her gun and he touches her gun and she says, I'll take it off. No, leave it. And that, that kind of all of a sudden it shifts again. It's it's all about the gun. Which it wasn't, and uh, when she talks, when he talks to her, it's like I, I when, when I watched you in the store. When, when he finally tells her that that's where he's seen her, it kind of feels weird because it's not about her; it's all about the gun. Which I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't have had a problem with, except for the fact that I don't know. Yeah. About, I could go back and rewatch it. I don't remember him watching her like that. He was staring no, at the floor. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Which is it's it's it, a little more time, and it would have worked. A little more time and a yeah. better editing. I think it would have worked better. Yeah, I just felt like something was left out. Like they, they either didn't yeah. shoot the footage, like it wasn't covered, or it got cut out where we didn't yeah. get that moment of him really just like, just a tight shot in his eyes and on her and on the gut. Like just maybe yeah. maybe a, a, a bit of a callback to what we had just seen in the opening credit sequence with his eyes tight on her and the gun in her hands and almost fetishistically obsessing yeah. on it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like a strong... Uh, almost goddess yeah more or less. yes like he builds him. her up yeah oh and then when he realized she's just a normal person with her foibles and weaknesses he uh, all of the stepfather he yeah. snaps and decide you know that you could i don't yeah. know and i realize we're that's easy for you jerk offs to say standing in your closets and not, yeah <laughs> 20 <exactly>. years <laughs> later and blah 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 yeah. but or almost 30 years later dear god <laughs> oh shit yeah it is yeah wow. 25 years later and, uh, you know, I, I think it's again, there's a I think there's a good movie in there. And honestly, you know, in my notes, I put down of of the things that I thought were good. There there were the things like obviously Jamie Lee, which this is the thing I didn't mention earlier. She very much there were aspects of her, especially towards the beginning, where I actually wrote down. This is the this is Laurie Strode grew up after the events of Halloween, decided mm-hmm. to become a cop. Because there was things in her performance that reminded me of that same sort of shy, uh, yeah, withdrawn, yeah. you know, like kind of scared girl. But there, yet there's somebody strong, strong in there potentially. Like so, yeah. and and apparently Ebert. Again, I read this. I read his inter- or his review after watching the movie and doing my notes. But he said that this he felt like Blue Steel was Halloween. That in a lot of ways that Ron Silver oh, becomes okay. like the Michael Myers character. She's obviously. Laurie Strode and and so I was like okay good at least I'm 
in, in decent company there with my assumption. So I thought the performances were good. Obviously, her, Ron Silver, Clancy Brown is in this movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Richard Jenning, uh, Philip Bosch. I mean, uh, we already said uh, uh, Louise Fletcher. I mean, there's a great cast of people yeah. in this yeah, movie. They're, uh, yeah, they're good actors. And, it's, uh... and the cinematography we said was great. I like the overall style and look. The music was... Uh, did you catch who the... Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Brad, uh, what is it? Fidel? I, Fidel I think, whatever. is it Fidel or Fidel? Yeah, Fidel. Yeah. Fidel. yeah. I think like I think Fidel Castro spells that differently, so I'm going to go yeah, with Fidel. exactly. Fidel, yeah. Yeah, that's a, and I mean, he, he's done one or two large movies. If he had done like, nothing other than The Terminator, which he did in T2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both of them, yeah. That's, that's such an iconic theme, you know? Yeah. He's done Terminator 1 and 2, Fright Night 1 and 2, uh, Striking Distance, you know, with uh, Bruce oh, Willis. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Serpent on the Rainbow, True okay. Lies. Mm-hmm. I mean, the list goes on. So, the, uh, And uh, I actually wrote that down here. Uh, the end theme, uh, uh, you know, the, right at the end, is kind of what has always stayed with me about what I remember most about this movie, hmm. actually. It's the, the end scene yes. before it goes to yeah, the Yeah, that credits. music was great. So the music is absolutely amazing i will say this and and, and just and when i i'm going to put that nathan uh, rabin or rabin uh, article in the show notes however it is spoilers heavy for both near dark and blue steel um but when you read through it what's interesting is he talks about the ending of this movie very much foreshadowing the ending of zero dark 30 which i don't know if you've seen that yet but Having seen that, he's absolutely right, and that's actually very that's that's the kind of thing that when when somebody points it out, you're like, okay, while this isn't a great movie, I can really appreciate it because you could see those future things that would come into play in someone's career that are very interesting. And before I forget, one other actress is in this, and I don't know why I forgot because it's her best friend in the movie, Elizabeth Pena, who's a fantastic yeah. actress. She's yeah. in this movie as well, so it's a great cast. And the other person who is heavily involved in this, presumably, is Eric Red. Who co-wrote it? Yeah. Do you know what other movie? I would assume that you know right off the top of your head the other movie of his that would be my other favorite, one of my favorite. I-, I call it a horror movie, I and mean, you can say it's a thriller, but I say it's a horror movie from the eighties. Okay, we already covered Near Dark. Yep, he did Near Dark, uh, and the, and, yeah. the, and he wrote this other one that came out the year before Near Dark. I'll give you that, nineteen eighty six. It. Uh, well, if I tell you who it stars, you'll immediately know what it is. <laughs> Rucker Hauer. Uh, in 86. Oh, let's see. Uh, the Man with a Thousand Movies. In 86. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember I said horror, but it could be could be called thriller. I had a name, a title in my head, and it just disappeared. Oh, son of a bitch. No, that was that was later, wasn't it? The the, the London Rain thingy. The London Rain. Oh, you want a uh, split second? Yeah. No, 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 no. That, no, was, no. that was 91, right? That yeah, was, it was like the early 90s. Yeah. yeah. No, it was uh, the, uh, the Hitcher. It was? Yeah. He, <gasps> yes. He wrote The Hitcher. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Oh, damn it. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> and that's putting it uh, very, very lightly. And he wrote and directed a movie I have not seen since it came out, but I would like to revisit this one. We ought to plan on doing this one, too. Do you remember Body Parts with Jeff A.E.? Yeah. You know where I, where, you know where I watched that movie? Where? In, in states like the same state. I was about to say because I glanced over, so it was ninety one. It's gonna be like the U.S. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes. We had one day that was cloudy and gray, and we, I think we watched four movies that day on our. I mean, that's the that's the beauty of having a theater just across from the hotel. Oh yeah, that's that's super so, sweet. Uh, so yeah, body parts. Uh, holy crap, I haven't seen that. 
I've seen. I, I think I've seen that twice. I want to see. I really don't. I may have watched it one other time on video when it came out on video. I'm, but I, yeah. the one I re, I remember seeing it in the theater. And I remember really liking it. So yeah. I would. I would. I would. That would be a fun one to do. That would be a. Actually, this is that that he directed that uh, and wrote it, and it's his credit right after Blue Steel. So I I didn't know that. Damn, he directed that. Yeah, yeah, he actually, and yeah, somebody, from one of the trivia pieces said that he was nominated for a Saturn Award for it, for his directing, uh-huh. so, yeah, it'd be really, uh-huh. oh, and, uh, I forgot to mention, did you catch one of the producers of uh, Blue Steel? No, I didn't, no, I, I didn't look that up. It was, it was uh, Oliver Stone, Edward R. Pressman, and Oliver Stone were listed uh, as producers. Yeah, well, Oliver Stone had his fingers in, in a lot of stuff. Well, mm-hmm. and that sounded yeah. Oh man, that sounded so bad. Yeah, but I meant uh, actually, and actually probably that. not too far off the. Uh... <laughs> well, no. Oh, well, it makes sense because yeah, it's here. Yeah, produced by Edward R. Pressman and Oliver Stone. Yeah, I had it here. So as as we bring this this sort of truncated, but I actually I thought it was good because it was like nice and tight. Like it was a we yeah. really we went into it, but we didn't go like so deep that we spoiled the crap out of it. And again, oh. I would say for me. Uh, I, you know, you and I off offline here, and maybe even with there, we need to come up with like a decent rating system because I feel like the C and D, like for instance, C and D doesn't apply to this to me. No, like, no, it doesn't because really. it's either. not like you brought it to him with like I love this movie, and then you're like, eh, it, it's like <laughs> no, it, it's 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 fun to revisit them to see uh, the, the especially these old uh, thrillers thrillers from the '80s, like we discussed, because there's so many of them you watched and but you don't really remember much about them. Okay, here we go. Worth remembering or forget it? Ah, that's a good one. Because this one is not forget it. No, I this is worth remembering. I mean, I, I hope I'm not. We're not putting people off to not watch it because it, as we said, it's not a bad movie. It's just like you know, this. Will, you kind of have to put. It's like uh, Tough Turf to me was because I don't think Tough Turf was a great movie. But what I liked no. about Tough Turf was it was seeing certain people at certain points in their career that we have the context of them now that you could go yeah. back and say, oh, this is kind of cool to see. his almost like a historical uh, piece like, you're, yeah. you know, yeah. if that makes you see, sense. You can, yeah, yeah it, it does. Because Clancy Brown in this one, I I, feel, I think he, he does a great job in this one. I love him. I wish he play, Yeah, playing a good man. He should be. Yeah, exactly. He's actually a good character. In it. Yeah, a good guy. Yeah. yeah. Which uh, he, he wasn't in, in many of his movies, but uh, he does, and he's he, he plays a very he, he's very natural in this one. I, I, I wish we've had more with him. Ultimately, then, so you say, remember it? Yeah, I say, yeah. Rem- I say, remember it be- with the caveat, primarily because it's interesting to see all these people, especially like Catherine Bigelow's work, exactly. and her sophomore effort, and so often a sophomore effort for an, a director is not nearly as successful uh, as their if they had a, a bigger debut. Now you could make the argument near dark from a box office and and um, yeah it didn't do very well at the time point break is probably her first like big successful movie yeah no she did uh have you seen the the uh what is it called k19 the widowmaker with harrison ford you know, the, <laughs> yeah i saw it when movie? it came out on video like yeah. back in the day yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's a, it's it's an okay movie yeah. but uh, again it's one of it's not uh, it's not one of the big it's like she's done a lot of <sighs> i think you could tell the movie she made that were more personal for her. Like, and I would argue that blue steel falls in this category, which is what, again, what makes it a little bit more interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Whereas a K-19, the Widowmaker, you could tell it's probably just somebody who is, she needed a job and she got hired. Yeah. And yeah. it's more of just a journeyman director kind of thing versus something like this or near dark, or she did strange days. Remember that with Ray Fiennes? Yeah. 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 And That's, uh, Angela, ba- Angela Bassett, right? She's in that. And Jennifer yes, yes, and Juliet yes. Lewis. Is it Juliet Lewis? Yes, she is. Okay. So, She's very much in it. Yeah. 
<laughs> so yeah, so I, I feel like some of her movies have a, a more personal aspect yeah. to it, and yes. which what makes her interesting to me as a director. Plus the James yep. Cameron connection that she had as well. Were they married or did they just date? I don't remember if they were married or not. Because he's had nah, like eight wives, so I don't remember. Well, yeah, I, I think they dated, but I don't think they were married. Yeah, I truly don't remember. I, yeah, no, no, me neither. But we'll let you let that hang. There. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so so we both say remember it then. Uh, any yep. final final words, Peter, before we sail off into the sunset? Uh, well, don't let another person handle your piece because it might go off. Thanks for listening. And a special thanks to JV for providing all the fantastic music you heard in this episode. You can check out more from JV at YourSecretIdentity.com. And be sure to check out Daryl's other fantastic podcasts at TaylorNetworkOfPodcasts.com. And don't forget to stop by ForgottenFlicks.com, where you can check out Peter's retro movie reviews, past podcast episodes, and more. And be sure to join us next time when Forgotten Flicks will be remembering another movie you grew up with.